0: Name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Um, welcome to the Way. This is uh, session number six and last. Uh, we have been uh, tackling difficult passages in the Bible. Um, we started last week um, a topic about um, women, in particular. But we discussed last week the um, husband and wife uh, roles. Uh, In the home, and today we're going to continue part two, talking about the role of women in church. Um, There are some really, really difficult passages in the Bible uh, around this um, this topic, so we try to, um, to as much as we can, um, interpret those those um, um, passages. When I start, um, when we talk about interpreting, interpreting the Bible, um, before we get into the text, I would like just to remind you of a number of issues or a number of principles when it comes to interpreting, interpreting scriptures. Number one, do not take one verse and run with it and say this is a rule or this is the, the interpretation. The Bible is, um, is, is a whole. Um, St. Paul said in 2 Timothy, all scripture is, uh, or cover, came by an inspiration of God. So the, the scripture should be taken as a whole. If one verse that said something, I have to also examine the rest of scripture. And if I find contradiction, I have to question my understanding. Not, there is no contradiction in the Bible whatsoever so if i if i find a contradictory verse uh, verse in the bible it's my understanding that i i couldn't grasp the actual meaning, meaning not there is a contradiction in, that, in 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 that verse so i have to take the bible as a whole and if there is there is a, a contradiction i have to look into the context as we said before one of the important things as well is cross references when, when, say for example, when the Bible talks about an issue uh, or um, a topic, like what we're going to tackle tonight, we have also to see what did the Bible say about the same issue somewhere else. So I don't run with this one, but also I examine that, what the Bible said about this issue before. In the meantime, if, if this um, topic is in St. Paul's writing, for example, I have to go back and also examine what did St. Paul write somewhere else in his epistles about the same topic. And that will give us an idea uh, and better interpretation of that um, uh, passage. Especially with the controversial passages and uh, also the difficult passages in the Bible. So having said that, let's go back to our um, topic. The, The role of women in the Bible, I actually I got... Two questions, and they really, really difficult passages. So I'll see uh, how can we um, interpret them together. The first one came from 1 Corinthians 14, um, verses 34 and 35, and the second one from 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, both from St. Paul's um, epistles. This is the first one. Let your women keep silent in churches, in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. What do you think of that? That is very tough. That is very tough. I agree 100%. It's very difficult. Some people can take it literal, but we will see now what will happen. okay? Second one is, is not less tough than this one. In, in 1 Timothy 2:11 and 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. Another difficult passage. What do you think? They hear what what they hear of for? Or oh, children. Is it children or oh, Women or husband and wife. Okay, we'll get to it. Okay, let's let's take one by one. So the role of women in um, in church, there is an apparent contradiction in scripture in general about this role of women. We see in part of scripture like this that women are not permitted to speak; they have to be silent. Okay, and other other parts of scripture says no. It's not this it's not like that so how can we reconcile these two things so there are apparent contradiction in Scripture regarding women role in church some New Testament passages such as these are very obvious um, passages in the in the New Testament that talk about yes uh, women when it comes to when it comes to the role of church, they are equally responsible, are equally allowed to speak and also to serve, same as men. He said here, in uh, these, these passages are uh, Acts 18, 24 to 28, Romans 16, 1 to 7, and 1 Corinthians 11, 2 to 11. These passages, I will talk about those passages in a minute. They appear to present women as occupying leadership roles and carrying out leadership functions in the church. In the meantime, two passages like what we read a few minutes ago, they they say the opposite, or apparently they say the opposite. Other New Testament passages appear to prohibit or at least severely restrict the participation of women in the church, which would limit or remove their eligibility for serving in leadership roles. So these texts, as the commonly um, seen as that, are the 1 Corinthians 14, the one that we just read, and 1 Timothy 2. So how can we reconcile these two things? First of all, let me see um, with you what, what did St. Paul say in those beautiful, um, other than these two um, passages. In order to do that, we have to think about the context, the cross-reference, And had St. Paul's opinion been always like this about restricting women, what is the difference here? And are these rules are general rules or dealing with special circumstances? These are the questions that will lead us to determine those two passages that prohibit women from even speaking in church, let alone teaching. Are these rules general rules, so applied until now, or they're dealing with special circumstances uh, in those days? Or has St. Paul changed his opinion about women or not? Let me see the bright side first. In Acts 18, we read that a man by the name of Aquila and his um, um, wife Priscilla, they were instructing a a great man called Apollos. Apollos was a man from Alexandria. He came to preach with St. Paul. He knew only the baptism of um, John the Baptist. He didn't know anything about Christianity. And the people who instructed him were Aquila and his wife Priscilla. So Priscilla here was a teacher to someone um, intellectual like Apollos. So here we see a a woman as an instructor or a teacher. The second one, Romans 16. If you read Romans 16, you will find St. Paul in his greetings. This This is the last Chapter of the Book of Romans or the Epistle to the Romans, Saint Paul enumerates at least at least seven women, and those seven women are actually designated or actually described by Saint Paul as having um, 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 a big role in the church or uh, um, like like um, leadership role in the church. We hear about Phoebe, Priscilla, Junia, Mary, Lydia, Sentichi. Trifina, and also Trifosa, and Perseus. At least seven women, seven women, they were hailed by St. Paul in his final greetings in the book of Romans as leaders in the church. So what's going on? The third one is in 1 Corinthians 11. When St. Paul said that women are allowed to pray, pray maybe quietly, and also prophesy. The word prophesy in the new testament doesn't have the same interpretation of prophecy or prophesy in the old testament prophecy in the old testament means i will tell you something hasn't happened before and god is is giving me that in order to tell you in in new testament it has a different meaning the different meaning here is like teaching it's like giving sermons so when abuna in, in in on sunday giving sermon he's actually prophesying so not prophesying like i'm, I'm telling you the future but I'm prophesying. I'm actually telling you the word of God and interpreting to you in order for you to repent or to 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 go, to go into the life of repentance. So prophesying here means teaching. So here, St. Paul permitted women to pray and to prophesy. Okay. If if I if I agree with you that prayer could be in silence, but how about prophesying? You can't, for example, teach me something or give a sermon in silence you can't do that so women at that time were were allowed to talk also in the book of acts chapter 12 21 we hear about a man by the name of philip philip had four daughters who were also prophesying so these these four daughters of philip were prophesying so those um, passages from the new testament acknowledge that there is a role for women inside the church and they can preach, and they can teach, and they can pray. So let's let's reconcile these two things. As I said before, if there is a contradiction, it's the contra- it's it's not contradiction in the Bible, but I I have to understand the meaning behind it in order to understand. Let's let's see one by one. So we'll we'll talk about 1 Corinthians 14 first, and then after that we'll talk about um, uh, 1 Timothy uh, 2. 1 Corinthians 14, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. We should determine exactly what St. Paul is forbidding here. Especially we just read that he allowed women to pray and to prophesy. After also he praised also many women in Romans 16. So what he's forbidding here, there are two views to interpret this um, passage, that what we're going to discuss now, and these two views can be taken can be found inside the, the actual passage, the actual 1 Corinthians 14. So two views here to explain this. The first view, view is the prohibitions here is against female leadership. They are contextual. Contextual means that they only applied to this church. Some people think that that way. They said, okay, this prohibition is contextual, so only um, applies can apply to the church of Corinth at that time. The other the other view is. saying that the prohibition is teaching in the general gathering. So I'm prohibiting women only if they are going to teach in the general gathering of people, in the general assembly, during liturgy. Because teaching during liturgy is only for who, For the clergy, for the priests. And the priests, women are not allowed to be priests. So these are the two views. The first one is the prohibition only happened in Corinth during that time due to the, the, the reasons that I'm going to tell you about now. And there is another view. They She's allowed to teach, she's allowed to talk, she's allowed to pray, and to teach others as long as that doesn't happen inside the general gathering where the clergy will be the authority to teach at that time. Okay? So let's talk about these two views. The first view, which is the the prohibition against female leadership are contextual. This position, people say that, assert that the church never categorically banned women from taking part in service. It's been always allowed. The prohibitions against female leadership in 1 Corinthians 14 was specific to the church's situation. And if we know what was the church situation um, at that time, this view also can make sense. The contradiction here is just an apparent contradiction, not a genuine one. Many scholars note that St. Paul's letters address particular situations in particular places at a particular historical moment. He, he, he Not always, but he frequently does that. When 1 Corinthians 1434 34-35 is analyzed in light of its surrounding context, it becomes clear that St. Paul is addressing the issue of two things. If you read this chapter, if you go back and read this chapter, you will find St. Paul here is talking about two things, speaking in tongues and prophesying. Speaking in tongues, we all know that, speaking in other language. And prophesying means teaching. So he said, I would like you to seek those spiritual gifts and Speak in tongues and prophesy, and I would rather you prophesy. So he said that here, speaking in tongues, uh, sorry, um, prophesying or teaching is much better, or give, sermon giving is much better than speaking in tongues. Now, we do, we do not renounce speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a known gift in the church. But this gift in the church had a certain time when it, when it was necessary. The early church there is a lot of languages in in the world, and the people who are going to preach the word need to know other languages, so the Holy Spirit made those people speak in tongues. But after that, when people from the same country or the people who are talking the same language now entered into Christianity, the the necessity or the, the, the importance of speaking in tongues subsided. Like now, for example... Do we need speaking in tongues anymore? We may we may need it in some areas in the world, but in the world now there are a lot of people who can speak the the languages of the countries that we need Christianity to enter to. So by the by time this the gift of speaking in tongues subside, the the value or the importance of it is is reduced. But it looks like the 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 church at Corinth. Had lots of problems. If you if you if you read First Corinthians, you will find number one the church had lots of division. People had had sects and factions and quarrels and fights. Even they f- were fighting during the agape meal, during after after the holy communion. They also had um, the the the, um, the the spiritual gifts, especially speaking in tongues and also prophesying went out of hand to the extent they actually became chaotic. People speak three, four, five at a time, and everyone claims that I speak in tongues. So Sample Paul said, no, no, this is not right. This is not a, a public service. We have to, ha- to, to, to just get order and prevent this chaos from happening. So it looks that this church at the time, things went out of hand and caused disruption in the meetings, and that what Sample. Paul is addressing here. So two gifts, speaking in tongues, was necessary at times. Around 60 A.D. when samples Paul uh, wrote this epistle, it looks that it went out of hand. The church at Corinth had many problems. How to determine whether the person who speaks in tongues was honest or not? Someone has to stand up and interpret. So for example, if I claim now that I speak uh, Filipino, for example, and no one of you n- knows the language. How do you know that I'm talking the right language unless there's someone who also knows the language and he said, okay, I, c- I can interpret now what he said. If there is no one to interpret sample said, okay, can you please be silent? okay because that will be chaos. no one understands anything and we can't we don't have any um, um, uh, clue. To say that you are right or wrong. So has to, someone to translate. Same thing with prophesying, teaching. Some people claimed, okay, I'm, I, have, I have a teaching from God because God reve- revealed that to me. I have a revelation from God. So when he prophesied, when he gives teaching, teaching St. Paul said, okay, we have to cross what you is saying with who? Who has the authority to say what he's saying is Christian or not, or from God or not? Who said that? Who, who does that? The clergy. So the priests, the bishops. These are the authority of the church um, who are uh, given the role to, to determine whether what he's saying is right or wrong. Imagine that women used to come forward and also cross. Um, uh, examine those people who prophesied and also other people. So St. Paul said, no, 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 you can't do that. We have rules, so we have to have quiet meetings um, uh, in discipline, and everyone has his own role here. So it seems that what prompted these comments by St. Paul about women was the same theme developed in the preceding verses addressed to those gifted in tongues and prophecy. The church members needed to exercise self-control on occasion, a self-control expressed by silence, so that the assembly or the gathering of people might be characterized by peace. Imagine that we are on Sunday having a, a prayer and everyone is talking. And two people here are claiming that they speak in tongues. Other people are prophesying and have a revelation from God to you and so on. St. Paul said, no, no, we have to have an order here. So that's why, if you read the chapter um, uh, carefully, you will find also that he asked other people to be silent as well. St. Paul was seeking order during church services. St. Paul did not ask only women to be silent. If you read the rest of the chapter, he also asked some other people to be silent. This is one of them. Verse twenty six How is how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most at the most three, each in turn, and let one let one interpret but if there is no interpreter let him keep silent so if you don't have an interpreter to interpret what you said in a different tongue please stop be silent same same one i was taken to church sorry this one i'm sorry How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in tongue, let there be two, or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. If but if there is not if if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself. And to God. So this another another group of people also were ordered by Sam Paul to be silent if there is no interpretation. Another one, let two or three prophets, people who are teaching, speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. So if someone stood up and said, I have a revelation. Instead of you talk and the other one talks, please one one of you be silent. Wait for each other. And he said, the the spirit of the uh, of the prophet is subject to the prophet. One one day a servant was giving a sermon and he was going over time and he was after that he was um, he was um, not rebuked but I mean talked to by the priest and said, okay, you you took um, a long time. You should have actually cut the, uh, the sermon a little bit. He said, yeah, I was actually moved by the Holy Spirit. I couldn't stop. And that priest, the godly priest, said, yes, but St. Paul said, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So you can't stop and and, 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 and end. So that what St. Paul said. If someone is taking that, please stop in order also for, for us to have um, uh, order in the, in the service. Another one, let your women hear the one that we saw before. Keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. The one that we did before. Remember also that Corinth was a pagan city. And this pagan city had the famous temple of Aphrodite. This was a massive um, goddess in Corinth. And Corinth being uh, between Greek between Greece and Europe, there, it was um, a big center for trade. So people coming and going in that famous uh, port there, and also the Temple of Aphrodite. So it was, was a big, massive um, movement there. The priestesses of the Temple of Aphrodite were all women, because it's a goddess. And those women, though they, there was a ritual inside this temple. It's actually called Temple Prostitution. Those women were giving themselves, giving themselves into prostitution as a ritual to uh, worship this goddess. So they were the people who running the show there. And when those people knew Christ through Saint Paul's um, uh, preaching, they also thought that okay, we ran the show before, so we're going to also run the show in the church. So Saint Paul said, no, no, it's not like that. We have we have discipline here. We have Principles, so no, it's not like that. So this is the first view. The first view said, okay, this silence thing doesn't mean that she's not allowed to talk at all, but that was important for this particular church because of those particular reasons. The chaos, the chaos in the the meetings, and also because of the pagan thing. Okay, so far. The second view talks about this prohibition in the general gathering. So women, when it comes to the liturgy, because they're not priests, they're not allowed to cross-examine the prophets or people who are talking or teaching. This is the authority of the teachers of the church, which are the priests and the bishop, especially the bishop. If this was the case, what we What are we to make of the fact that Philip had four daughters who prophesied? This is the origin of Alexandria talking about this verse. He said this, if this was the case, what are we to make of the fact that Philip had four daughters who prophesied? If they could do it, why can we not let our own prophetesses to speak? we may answer this as, question as follows. That, that's uh, the that, origin, says. We may answer this question as follows. First, if our prophetesses have spoken, show us the signs of the prophecy in them. Second, even if the daughters of Philip did prophesy, they did not do so inside the church. Likewise, in the Old Testament, although Deborah was reputed to be a prophetess, there is no indication that she ever corporately addressed the people in the way that Isaiah or Jeremiah did. So he's he's here, although some people think of Origin's um, um, answer to be also uh, toward men, but he's talking here about the same things. He's talking here about when it came when it come comes to uh, priesthood, priesthood are for for men. Even if you are uh, to teach, you don't teach inside the liturgy. You can you can teach somewhere else. You can teach in the Sunday school. You can teach in meetings. So in a meeting like that, are women allowed to speak or not? Of course, of course. So for example, if we have a we have next week uh, a sister coming um, addressing us, who we'll all come and we will acknowledge that and we uh, we'll be happy with that. It's not only for for men. But when it comes to liturgy, it's different. Another thing also that acknowledges the the importance of what um, Origin is saying and also other scholars are saying: Let two or three that Saint Paul said in in, in verse 29. He said, "Let two or three prophets speak, and let the other judge." So the, this is a process of judging the prophet, judging the person who is saying to us, I have a revelation from God, and then it will be judged or cross-examined. St. Paul said here, this is the the function or the role of the clergy, of the bishop and the the, the priest, not anyone else. I'll quote from um, a prominent Orthodox priest called called Father Lawrence Farley. He's a very um, um, intellectual Um, priest, he's from America, and he has um, um, some commentaries on the New Testament. He's got a commentary on every book of the New Testament, but he has only the New Testament commentaries. And also he has a podcast called the Coffee Cup uh, Commentary, the Coffee Cup Commentary. Just search for it. He's very good and he's very insightful. He said this about uh, what we're talking about here. Since women are allowed to pray and prophesy, as in 1 Corinthians 11, the directive to be silent cannot refer to total silence. So he said here, St. Paul definitely didn't say you have to be completely silent. It It cannot be a ban on all speaking. Rather, the immediate context reveals exactly what kind of speaking is prohibited. The speaking of discerning and correcting the prophet. That's the verse that we just read. For women are not the only ones directed to be silent in the passage. We saw other people also were directed by St. Paul to be silent. The one who speaks in tongues is bidden to be silent if there is no interpreter. The one whose prophecy has been disallowed by the discerning judgment of one sitting by the By is bidden to be silent once the judgment has gone against him, in verse 30. What the apostle means here is that the women are forbidden to join in this authoritative giving of judgment on the prophets, which is perhaps primarily the function of the presbyters, the priests. As we have suggested, thus the women are disallowed a leadership role in this matter. Only when it comes to the liturgy, are not allowed to speak in judgment, but bidden to submit themselves to the presbyters' um, leadership. So that's Father Lawrence Farley saying or um, wrapping up the whole thing. So she's not allowed, she's not disallowed of speaking at all, or ordered to be totally silent. But as for the order of the meeting, please be silent if there is a chaos or disorder. And also, she's not allowed to take the role of the priests of teaching or judging the um, the, um, the, the 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 prophets. Also, these are footnotes in the n the um, New English Translation Bible. They have they very they have very nice footnotes. Now, what he said. For they. Uh, The the commentary is on, for they are not permitted to speak. He said that in light of 11.2-16, which gives permission for women to pray or prophesy in the church meetings, the silence commanded here seems not to involve the absolute absolute prohibition of a woman addressing the assembly, therefore. therefore, one, some take, be silent to women, sorry, Some take be silent to mean not taking an authoritative teaching role, as in 1 Timothy 2 that we're going to study now. But, two, the better suggestion is to relate it to the preceding regulations about evaluating the prophets. Here, Paul would be indicating that the women should not speak up during such an evaluation.
1: you know something, like it's it's really tough. You can't get away from
0: the Yeah. That's that's why we call it difficult passages. He's told a couple of people not to be silent when there's interpretation or when there's no judgment,
1: but he's ruled out the whole gender. He Doesn't give any condition. He
0: said
1: he's meant to be silent when in this condition. Yeah. And all he meant to be
0: silent when judging prophets. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. He's, he's actually singling out here the gender totally. But someone said that, as, as we said before, because they were trying to run the show as they did I think, I think that's the best um, mm. interpretation. Yeah, because they wanted, they want, okay, we, we were running the show before in the pagan temple, so I'm going to do it now. It is tough. I'm not, I'm not claiming it's easy. I'm not claiming it's easy. And still, uh, by the way, there's still a third view. I mean, we, talk about, we talked about two views. There is a third view which is taking this passage literally. Some people until now say, he said to be silent. So she has to be silent. She can't she, uh, she can't teach. So some people like that. But do we, do we acknowledge or do we um, have this view in our church or not? This is the question. Do women here teach or not? Yeah, they do. Do we do we say do we say women should teach only children and women and not allowed to to teach in a meeting like that where men and women gather? We don't say that. But I look, I hundred percent agree with you. It's tough. But we what we know what we're doing here. We try to just make sense of the interpretation. But yeah, tough it is. I mean, some people even they they said this 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 part. Can't be samples. It's, it should be. In, I mean, it, it must have been inserted into the text.
1: The way I'm thinking about it is
0: taking it to an atheist who wants to argue me But why you take this part to the atheist? Yeah, it's it's very hard. It's very hard. I'm not claiming it's easy, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm not claiming here that I'm going to. Explain what you can't you can't understand. It's tough. It is very tough. But we tr- what we're trying here is to make sense of it. It's exactly the same as we were talking about the theological question, the first one that we talked about. Um, the, um, the Father is great in the night. It is tough. It is tough. And also, if, if you'd like to explain it um, in any in any interpretation, it's very hard. Okay. Sorry. Is it because of the way women were used back then, or because I
1: don't, I don't know anywhere it's mentioned by God? What do you mean? So if all of this was being like told. Um, it wasn't. Like, where did he get this from? Did he get
0: this command from God? Yeah. After that, at the end of this chapter, he said these instructions are from God would say that. I mean, a cultural thing. Yes. Now it's not. It's not. I mean, part of it is cultural. The danger of saying it's cultural is that means it doesn't apply. Yes. Yeah. No. But how can you apply it now? How can you apply it now? Should you say? How can we apply it now? Can yeah. I just? Probably I'll, I. would love to hear from you. How can we apply this now? Liturgical sense. Uh, Liturgical sense makes makes a lot of sense. I agree. So the liturgy makes a lot of sense. What about other other things? So if, if there is a disordered meeting, who should be silent? Only women? Sorry? Every, <laughs> everyone in? The clergy? Okay, No, no, I'm talking about an, a disorderly meeting. So anyone who does this disorder or the chaos should be silent. So I think, as I said to Sharif, I think... That what happened, The women were probably, at that time, were the most disrupting group because they wanted to be, um, no, I'm not talking about women in, in every generation, I'm talking about that time. Women are good. <laughs> I just need to go home. <laughs> All right. In 1 Corinthians 14, St. Paul is not banning the public speech of women as such. Therefore, Paul is not giving an unqualified general prohibition against the public speech of women, but is attempting to prevent speech that is potentially disruptive. I'll tell you also um, another another, um, comment from one of the scholars. He's talking about... The, he's commenting on, if you want to learn something, just go home and ask your husband. He said, he said this. This is um, Thistleton. He's got um, a, a, a very nice commentary called the, Efer- the first epistle. Moreover, according to this perspective, St. Paul is trying to prevent wives from cross-examining their husband's prophetic speech in public. Someone said that women at that time they were not mixing with their husband at the same 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 place. There was like a partition, and women sit on one side and and men sit on the other side. And this man, I'm not I'm not sure how did he claim that, used to cross over to even cross-examine their husband and with, imagine the chaos there. So he said, Okay, if you do that, please go and ask him and cross-examine him at home. Still I'm not hundred percent sure if that interpretation is is right. So, in conclusion, do these verses deal with conduct in public meeting or general rules about women's role in the church? What do you think? Was it cultural or also can we apply it nowadays? And yeah, I think you, you, you answered that. Part of it was culture, not cultural, but fitting for the meetings at that time, but also when it comes to the liturgy, the role of women in liturgy and the, 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 the general gathering of people where the clergy has to have have to have the the upper hand that that still applies until now. Okay? Any question? Yes, tough, I think it is very tough. Okay. Let's take the second one. All right. The second one, 1 Timothy 2:11 and 12. This, this one might be a bit easier because um, he talks here about the general meetings, the, um, the liturgy. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. In silence here can be interpreted as in quietness. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Another difficult one. Any, any, um, any insight for the child? Yes, please. Yeah. Have a go. But
1: nevertheless, I've got no idea.
0: Okay. So say what say what do you think. I think the first
1: part is very much about the priesthood
0: and the church So teach teach is the, the work of the bishop and the priest. Teaching the word in the church is the work of the, the, the bishop and the priest. And that's what San Timothy said. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, obviously, the Adam first, and the lineage of
1: Abraham, and mm. Christ coming, and all of that, that's verse 13 and 14. Okay. Verse 15, no idea.
0: Okay, so what what do you think of 13, 14, and 15? Any idea? Why did he say that? Was Adam deceived? Not. No, but that's worse. Adam is worse because he wasn't deceived. He didn't out of. Fire. He wasn't deceived. He sinned. He, he actually did it out of. Fire. Yes. He was, hmm? he was passive, but I mean, he. W- 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 do, 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 do we do we say the sin of Adam or sin of Eve? Sin of Adam. Now we don't say sin of Eve. Do we say sin of Eve? She was deceived, but. But what sin it was?
1: Sorry? And that's the word, dead. He actually dead God. He knew it. he knew that he knew God. So, yeah. What St. What, what Paul said, he knew that it was a deception, he could
0: see it for what it is and do it and make it in Exactly. So whose who's sin was, was worse? Adam's or Eve's? Adam's, of course. Because, because Adam was created first, he knew the, the, um, the, um, the commandment of God first. He is the head of the, of the house. He was staying, sitting there listening to the conversation and did not even move. And when she said to him, can you eat? He said, okay. So his sin is worse. She was deceived. Why she was deceived? St. Paul here is saying. That's the answer of the question. Why she was deceived? because of what she took the lead she took the lead and spoke to the to the um, to the serpent so she did not respect the 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 the, the roles that was was um, given by uh, the roles which were, were given by god and she took the lead and started to to do that for her okay that's the stigma that gone upon eve how can she by, by the way the word saved here doesn't mean saved like saved by Christ. we were saved by Christ. She will be saved here from the stigma by doing what? She will be saved by the stigma by looking after her children and those children will be raised in a godly manner. So he said that, okay you slipped out of your role and spoke to the, the serpent. You will be saved from this stigma by just fulfilling the role that you were assigned to. Of course, not every woman will have children and those in order to raise those children. But also, she can have other services. I mean, we have, for example, Mother Teresa. She's called Mother, and she's a, she's a nun. And we have a um, um, very big number of people who didn't have children, but they also serve. So here it, she will be saved by, bearing, uh, by childbearing here that actually she will fulfill her role that was assigned to her. So let's, let's uh, read what I've got here. So if we analyze this um, um, passage, what is the context and the cross-reference as we said before? So as John said, the, the talk here is talking about the assembly the general assembly, the liturgy. So he, St. Paul here is putting some rules for men and women during liturgy. So he said that, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness godliness with good works. Also, this is alluding to what the women used to do in those pagan um, uh, uh, temples. Uh, they used to not to cover their head and have lots of gold and accessories and stuff like that for, for their work. So this section talks about public prayers public assembly or the current, um, currently praying liturgy. These eucharistic assemblies were held in small groups and house churches throughout the city. After commanding, uh, com- commanding men, he turned to women and their conduct during the public prayers. The emphasis falls on the modesty accompanying the dress, hair, accessories, and so on. So he's talking here to women, please, your role inside the liturgy is to learn to hear okay not to have the lead because in the liturgy it's the, um, it's the, um, the, the, the job of the clergy. So women should learn in quietness. here the preference is specifically to public worship. Then taking part in public worship, the women's share is to learn or at least to listen quietly. Also this alluding to the, the pagan world. We should determine exactly what St. Paul is forbidding. He is not forbidding to woman, uh, the women uh, any and all speech in church. He is not asking for their absolute silence, but quietness or stillness. One put it that this way. He said their silence is the silence of not being the teacher, the authority, and their subjection is a subjection, subjection of not being the authority because the teaching and authority in the liturgy is for the clergy and then after that he's talking about the um, Adam was was uh, Eve was deceived and Adam was created first and she will be saved from that stigma of being deceived by the child Mary okay another tough one I acknowledge that and all what we need to uh, what we did was just trying to interpret it um, as much as we could. Any question? Yes, please. Sure. Sorry? I think that some of the Eastern Orthodox Churches, they have been involved in these changes because they're not considered part of the Christian. That's not something else. No, the Eastern Orthodox Church is still the same, uh, exactly the same as us. And this is the Lord, uh, Father Lawrence Farley, the, the one I read the commentary from, um, uh, that, that what he said. He said, okay, teaching is okay, um, praying is okay, prophesying is okay, but when it comes to, cler- to, to, to liturgy, the liturgy uh, the priesthood, the priesthood only for men. There a right outside the priesthood of Sorry, I can't hear you properly, sorry. Ah, oh, the chanters, okay. Um, I'm not sure. Abuna can help us with this one. question by Matt. I
1: think we so the, the literature says vegan and congregation and said vegan and chanter. But the chanter role was added because the congregation at one point didn't know how to sing mm-hmm. But then we show ourselves in the book when we let these chanters serve in the sanctuary mm-hmm. and we label them beacons. So the chanters aren't even consecrated. They don't have their heads, their head cut. Yeah. But that's in the reader because that's the first rank right, of the priesthood is a reader. it's literally a blessing of the Tonya, and the Tonya is what all of us wear on the back like, Essentially so if we were to stick to the original, which is if you're a and you just stand outside, uh, and not find the sanctuary, it might remove some of that. Or might wear weak in a microshop you know, like but this if we got rid of the chant all completely and just have to dressed in shirt pants mm. and standing at the front of the microphone, then Men and the women are all singing as a congregation. But those of us in the sanctuary
0: is the actual is the deacon who is ordained to give the instruction. And really, in a liturgy, only need one deacon. The yeah, enough. Stand up, breathe, sit down. Yeah. Hmm. Now, no, I think I think also that the it says people, so people, um, the the um, the uh, responses for the people, so means men and women. So it's not only for um, the deacons that. Staying, standing outside.
1: In the confidence, the there's only one day condition in the sanctuary, And all the mm. guns go outside and they say all the chats. Which means that there is no theological reason why you can't do that approach. Mm. But it's maybe uh, if you've been doing something for a long time, it's hard to get out of it. So something I could get shocked for this as well, but so, uh, I'm hoping it'll be wrong. In all these conversations about the role of women in the church. I think um, when we separate church from the rest of the week, we get ourselves moving under. But if we look at everyone in the community raises a Christian, then the role of the mother is actually more influential than in the role of the priest. Definitely shown that the number one factor in a person becoming and staying a Christian as an adult is family and not youth, being Sunday school, what school they go to, any of that. The number one factor is the family. Mm. Then when you go within the family, the mum seems to, in some measures, have more of an impact on the raising of that person as a Christian than the dad. It seems that the will get shot at this. But I'm wondering if, when we look at things like that, then the role of motherhood is pre-alemated
0: and probably about that of the role of the clergy. Of the clergy, yes. And I think, Abuna, um, when when we say, okay, she's not allowed to teach in the church during liturgy, but we give her the biggest role of teaching her children, so that's a big role. If she's not allowed to teach at all, at least we say, okay, those young kids... They don't know anything, so they, yeah, you, you're disallowed to do that. But we give her, entrusted her on the biggest role uh, in the life of anyone. And also, I mean, we come to, to church one hour or two hours in the liturgy, but she teaches her children uh, all, all week. weeks. So, yes, I agree. I've no one else can do. I want to visit people. Can anyone else visit someone else? Yes.
1: He gives Bibles talks. Can someone else give a talk? Yes. Uh, spiritual violence. Well, you we can get spiritual violence from any lifestyle. So you have to figure out Sacrament of confession, if you look at it in isolation, only takes a minute and a half. Hmm. If you're doing purely confession. In a liturgical context, you confess, have the absolution, have communion as one, as one package, if you want to say that. So the only thing that a priest can do that a woman can't do is baptize, marry, offer the sacrifice, and the sacraments. And in a 24-hour time seven, day a week, week, but only if it takes up less than 10% of the time. Hmm. So uh, like, I wonder if, if the issue gets blown out of proportion when. Um... It's feminism.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <take> a
1: run. <laughs> Sorry? I think like a Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The role of
0: him at the time, and the fact that he went to him and trusted him with his message and with role of Mary, and the role of the Lord, and the the Lord, and the role of yes. yeah. Yeah. To, I mean, and, yeah, for and 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 see, for example, St. Mary, for example, St. Mary is the, I mean, according to our church, she is the the highest rank of everyone, all the apostles, or even above the the angels, above the prophets, above everyone else. And she wasn't uh, an apostle. And she wasn't a bishop. And she wasn't, although she is higher than anyone else. I mean, and all the apostles and prophets, and yeah, she's higher than them, and even even they don't deserve to kiss her hand. So, yeah, so... Doesn't matter that she is not ranked as a as a clergy or apostle, she doesn't have a role or she doesn't have a value. Have we talked about yeah. So women c- yeah. Of course not, no,
1: no. society hung up on and
0: Yes. And I think, as, as we said before, it's role, not the value, because they have equal value, but not, yeah, everyone has, has different role.
1: The you can't say that the is the son. Yeah. And the, the uniqueness of the is shown in the diversity between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're not the same. The Church being an item of that shows
0: hmm. that the fact are all different means that we're reflecting God. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any other questions? All right. Thank you very much for uh, for that. Thank you for uh, tolerating me. <laughs> and I enjoyed immensely the, the journey. Thank you so much for inviting me and glory be to God forever and ever.